and welcome to Podaholics. Sit back, relax, and get ready for a podcast that is going to inform, educate, and entertain. And you're going to want to share it with as many people as you know. Here we go. You know, in Australia, if you work in the same company, and this applies to most companies for like seven years, it goes up. You get like a year off or something. Nice. Yeah, and but they also they take their sick leave as holiday. Ah. So I was saying, gosh, you've only got two weeks holiday, and they said, oh yeah, but you've got two weeks sick leave. (laughs) Yeah, so take that holiday. Okay. I I, I couldn't because I think I feel really uncomfortable about it. But a lot of companies, um, I think in the states as well, say the same thing. Use it as holiday. Would you? No. No, exactly. No. Because you should sick leave is sick leave, holiday is holiday, and it's, there's also a big. But I know people who do that. I know people who say it's it's mental health days, and they'll take a sick leave as a mental health day. I know people who've done that. Is that just a, a fancy way of saying a day to get out of work? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. so just, just to get into space, but I can't do it. It's true. I think like if um, sometimes people are really struggling, uh, and I know we're going to talk about anxiety in that day. Yeah. Like they are really struggling, and they could do with that day to just yeah. collect the thoughts. But that's very different than just saying. <laughs> I'm having a mental health day because I want to move house. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how people, I mean, who knows how people justify it, right? That's... You know, though, this is why there's um, a huge push now into occupational health. Uh, like going on to the, what you just said about mental health, there's a huge yeah. push into occupational health, uh, mental health. I think um, it makes sense. I think it's a good idea. Well, I, I guess. I, I think people forget just, you know, the stress of their bosses, the stress of the environment. I mean, there's been days, I, I in, in the past, I've had some, you might have some really toxic people that you work with. And and, you know, you rock up at work. And I've, I've been there with some toxic employees. I don't want to go to work. Yeah. You know, and as you park your car and then you start doing the walk in, you kind of like, oh, I'm going to have to see this person. And you might not even interact with them. It's just their toxic presence, presence as they as they, you know, walk by you without even taking notice that you're there or, you know, the, the passive aggressive behaviors that some of these people have that you just you don't you don't want to even be in the place and it just starts to, to affect you and i think in that case having as you're as you're talking about it, that that would be really interesting well yeah and also if you think about what causes most people's stress obviously you've got like interpersonal relationships but the majority of it i'd say is probably work is around work i mean it's mm, the pressures deadlines. of yeah deadlines um trying to manage your life uh, outside of work with work yeah um which is a huge one where do you draw yeah. the line taking work home it's so hard isn't it and like, do, you, do you say no I'm not going to take that home and I'm just going to do it when I get back to work so my brother had the best job because he worked in um, BE systems in the UK uh-huh. and they're like it's like you know high security etc you had to be weighed when you went in um, to check nobody you weren't really? smuggling anyone in well, quite funnily though where one of his friends was a big guy and all oh, the alarms went off on him once because they thought it was two people um, <laughs> so I thought really, I felt really sorry for him about but yet he was not allowed to take work home and and so because of that, he had such a great work-life balance yeah. because he'd go in, he'd do his nine, five or eight, six, however long the day was, and then he'd go home and then that was it. And you can actually switch your mind off. And I wonder if, if he was more productive because he knew, okay, I've got to get yes. this, these tasks done in this time. I don't have the luxury of saying, I'm going to bring it home and work for another couple hours. Well, who is it that, um, which company was it? A company in Japan or something that have, they've just implemented or they're doing a test for four days a week working yeah. and the productivity went up. Can you imagine? But yeah, but it, I mean, that's it because people do, you go in, you have like a coffee or you're having a chat with a friend, you're catching yeah. up and, and it's because you can then, you can sort of let the work bleed into the, yeah. the nighttime or the weekend. But it's not, it's not good for your children. It's not good for, for you. And you just, you know, 
know, you can't turn your mind off. Uh, there was a, a management job I did a while back and I, you know, I really enjoyed the job, but I'd feel really guilty even just going to the gym of a night time or really? doing anything because I, because emails kept pinging through until oh. midnight. So I would always feel like, well, if other people are working, I should be working. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd end up working most nights, taking the weekend to work and it was... Okay, that does, that, there's no life there. Well, no. Like, how about you? Because you've always got marking or things to prepare for I next tried, lessons. Yeah, I try to do most of it at the university. Like, I, I mean, right now I've got some things that I need to do, but I'm not there. So I've, I've had to bring it bring it out of the university. But I try to do most of it at the university. And then leave it there. Yeah, there, there might be in, I'm thinking exam time, when we're under quite a crunch where I'll have to dedicate, you know, part of a, an evening or part of a weekend to, to mark stuff. But for the most part, As you say, you don't do mind it doing there. it now and again, do you? No. Even studying, I used to take it to the library because then mm. I would check in and I would work in the library and then as soon as I left I'd try not to think yeah. about it and make that dissociation but I guess there's a lot of people working from home now which right. again makes that changes you got you still have to have your times and say okay this is work time this is but not. then but the thing is is that a lot of this comes from the company company culture oh, yeah. and from who's driving it and so even in say like companies in Sweden where they encourage four day working weeks or they encourage you not to do your emails yeah. or France work at the night they time. Do, do they do yeah. in France too yeah France has got the for government employees uh, out of out of hours email no but that's Stuff's a, about five o'clock I think but that's brilliant I think so because the thing is is that sometimes we're working so fast and we're trying to reach this goal and I always say but what is it we're trying to reach yeah. you know if uh, really at a government level we could say right workers should be to, should have time that is protected to be solely theirs yeah. for fun to catch up on you know how much life yeah. administration you have oh, um, I mean your work can take over your life if you let it yes like there's no stopping you're never going to be done enough and looking at this and looking at that and it's like just out of control but then there are some personalities that can say right now I've, I've finished my work now and there are other personalities that feel <laughs> if other people are doing it I need to do it as well yeah, yeah. Um, and I think uh, the job that I was working previously I was the only one that had a, a family and therefore I became really 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 stressed because if oh, other people yeah. were doing something oh, I yeah. felt like I needed well, to I've, do I've, it I've got a colleague whose wife has just now come to the UAE uh, and, and for many years she was back home with the family are but, you kidding and, oh my god and, but so the the curious thing was because his wife wasn't here this guy's a workaholic yeah so great great guy but the amount of stuff he would do and the amount he could get done because it was just at work during the day go home do you know communicate with the family and then what do you do more work what'd you do on the weekend more work and then you come to school and what do you do more work it was just like so when do you not do work so, well i have nothing better to do so how did that make you feel did that put pressure on you or were you quite quite I, there was just, there, well in one sense it often made me think man I, i've got to do more work but there's no way i could keep up with the productivity that he had because there's just no way like at night I'm not doing that you know after five o'clock it's just not going to happen because you got dinner to get ready you got things to do you got, but that's because you've got a healthy balance and yeah. a healthy mindset on it and some people especially like people that are just starting out in their career they don't yeah. they don't have that and you're so desperate to please yeah. and, and exactly and a lot of people here especially especially men and not to be gender specific but it is does tend to be the man that is on potentially the bigger salary yeah. that's maybe supporting the wife and the children and the pressure to keep in oh, your yeah. job yeah. 
Um, but you've also that's been, huge. Well, that's yeah. huge. Um, I've got a few friends that work in occupational health, and we set up a little occupational health division a, a few years back. And the number one biggest thing was like stress, anxiety yeah. in the workplace. Yeah. I mean, there are certainly other medical conditions associated with occupational health, such as you know, you see people then they're standing up in shops all day. Right. They've got plantar fasciitis in their yeah. feet, uh, ankle problems, back pain, but none of that compares to the the sheer burden of yeah. stress in the workplace. Oh, it's and, it, and then it just leads over to you know personal the, life. Well, your personal life and and health issues from the stress. So it's not just that you're anxious, but you know you, high, you could have high blood pressure evolves. <laughs> just the the list is it's like a checklist. Really, um, anxiety um, and stress. So first of all, anxiety is very closely linked to depression. So often, yeah. if you have one, you tend to have the other one. Really, um, I didn't realize even, that. Yeah, even if you don't realize it, you, it's not. There are certainly people that suffer more with anxiety. Like for instance, even me, I'm definitely an anxious character, but I don't yeah. tend to really suffer with depression. Um, I mean, I've had it once in my life, um, but I wouldn't say they always go hand in hand. But if you have a patient that presents with anxiety or depression, you always have to check them for the other one. So how do you, but how do you check for one and the other? Like. Um, how, because do, how do we check for anxiety and how do we check for depression? So depression, normally you're um, you're using a checklist of, uh, you have a few different questions to ask. So one is, you know, do you feel guilty? Like a guilt is a big thing to uh, do with okay. depression. Um, you have to look for physical symptoms. Are you are you eating and drinking? Um, are you waking up? Do you have early morning wakening? <laughs> you're right there. There's a little <laughs> yeah, yeah, girl yeah. just yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, rocking on she, a, a seesaw. We're, we're sitting, if you're wondering why, why we're hearing some pauses, we're in the, the lobby of the Rove Hotel downtown. Town. And it is jam-packed here. Uh, I think there's uh, still a lot of the local schools are on holidays, and a lot of the regional schools are on holidays. So there's kids around, and there it's uh, there's there's rocking horses in the library. Uh, sorry, in the lobby. It feels like a library, but they're in the lobby. It feels nothing like I don't yeah. know what library you went oh, to. Oh man, <laughs> the library the library at our school has got a coffee shop in one part of it, and it sounds kind of like it does here. But the kids are just playing around, so it's it's kind of cool. I wanted to do um, the podcast on the rocking horses, but sadly could, I was yeah, too they would, they would hold us, I think. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you want to move, James, I'm up for it. So anyway, that's why there's just this rocky horse was yes. just bouncing into And I just keep thinking, don't bounce into any of our power stuff. We've got. Yeah. I've got it all underneath this time. So I think we are safe. Yeah. But, so back to anxiety. Well, you, so you've got, you've got about, a checklist. Yeah. So, you so actually, is this hold of the depression one has a checklist or the anxiety? Um, no. So this is with depression. Okay. Depression. So like I say, guilt is a big thing. Guilt. Um, anhedonia. So are they? Is there anything they're looking forward to in life? And if uh-huh. they can't say yes, that's that's a real mark of a really? depression. Really? Like so there are folks who will sit down and say, "What do you look forward to?" And they go, "There's nothing." Yeah, because they, they, you wow, find it I difficult feel sorry to for create. Those people. Yeah, you find it difficult to create excitement. Oh man. Um, and like I say, there's the physical symptoms: eating and drinking, being able to concentrate. So uh, eating too much food or not eating can, enough food? Either. So either so, so they're not hungry. So it's either most commonly with depression is that they actually tend to lose weight and they're not eating. Yeah, I think, but you yeah. do get atypical depression where people overeat or they oversleep. Oh, um, oh yeah, okay, sure. So, so it's it, it's kind of the extremes behavior. Not being able to concentrate uh, is another big one. There is, a, I think it's the ICD-10 checklist that you'd use. Um, and I'll be honest, without actually having the checklist in front yeah. of me, I can't remember which ones you tick off. Um, but you're normally looking for about two or three of those for a period of, okay. of two weeks or more. Wow. Um, and then for anxiety, you're you're asking more questions about um, a, a sense of impending doom. Do you have any palpitations? Do you find that you're like sweating more regularly? Uh, are you anxious to go out? Um, or is there something that you're like? Can you explain anything that is causing yeah. like triggering you to feel uncomfortable? Um, shaking again, not being able to sleep because of anxiety. Yikes! So so okay. as you can see, like they, they kind of cross over. Yeah. 
um, and hence why if someone's got one you've got to check for the other both of them as well heavily linked with um, alcohol abuse or substance abuse you've got to really check for, for those things but you know most typically the typical patient is just um, like a man or woman who is just really kind of like a bit weighed down with everyday life whether it's yeah. work yeah. Um, family life and, and how I feel is more so the fact that you're trying to combine the two so often uh, yeah guilt and then finances yeah there's, absolutely there's so much that we don't have control over I, and I I think I, I see that a lot from people in that there's more and more expenses yes. but salary increases don't keep up with the expenditures yeah and I think people get very anxious in that that but, situation but, but as well if you do have children and they're going on school trips yeah. school trips aren't I mean I don't know about yours but we, we walk down the road to Port Sunlight every yeah. year for the same school trip and we loved it yeah. uh, but now it's going skiing in yes. Japan going off to Australia for a few weeks going trekking in yeah. Nepal and who wants to let their child be the one that misses out yeah. on that it's really it's really tough um, yeah. you want them to go to a good school especially here in Dubai school fees are astronomical yeah, tell me about it um, well yeah you've, you've Lived, I lived it. <laughs> I lived it. You've been there, but you, you finished with it, James. I, I am. I, you know, and I, I made it through. But there, I remember clearly. The, well, there was also the stress that. So primary school wasn't a big issue. Middle school wasn't a big issue. High school started okay, but then if you're in the British system, then you get to that that point where you've done your GCSEs and or you're getting close to the end and so you've got that that last two years kind of like the A-level kind of thing so then you've got those last two years well what if you don't fit what you know not every student fits into every you know because I mean you 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 get the deal where the different subject matter and different ways it's put together and and different schools do it differently they all don't do the same thing yeah so that became for us a huge oh a big stressor that's it go on sorry then we ended up changing schools well then the problem was the cost was another stressor because it was just at the border of being impossible to afford and, and did you do it we did do it and then we we actually went on a payment scheme but there was like three payments and but the payments were so close together like one of them came in january and then one came in march and it was it was it was it was such a large amount of money and i remember the first time that one of those payments came out in January and you know your your phone pings and you suddenly see that you've got like nothing and it's like you know it's, it, it was this physical reaction of thought I was going to faint it was just I mean I'm, I'm not surprised wow. because I mean that's your contingency and everything gone yeah. that's such a stressful position to be in and I think as well because um, we are in the UAE so everyone has got jobs where you know when none of us are really like 100% yeah. safe at yeah. any time um, and people find it very difficult to be able to manage it. there's a lot of pressure as well um, I personally don't feel it with my current crowd of friends I've got really okay. easy going friends but yeah. I know a lot of people feel the pressure to try and keep up with their oh yeah I don't have that pressure yeah. I don't have to keep up with the friend pressure I never have you know. yeah but that's because of the personality that you are and the personality yeah. that I am but there are people that feel oh, that for sure. and I know those people as yeah, well yeah and they're in that like tight knit crowd and they don't want to be the one that feels as if they can't do something yeah. or someone might suggest something and say oh you know uh, okay I'll, I'll come along to it but really they can't afford to do it yeah. and uh 
And that's, that's just another way of adding stress. And there is a difference between stress and anxiety. Stress is kind of like a, a transient feeling that comes and goes. Anxiety is more like a general anxiety disorder where you... you so you're And it would con- just stay constant? It's constant oh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be caused by anything at all. People can develop anxiety out of nothing. But usually the most typical scenario mm. is that there's been a series of events like we're talking about now yeah. so that cause someone So how do, you, how, do, how do you... If someone was to come to you and you've gone through the checklist and you, you determine that, okay... Yeah, Clearly, you're suffering from anxiety. Would, would someone have presented saying, I think I might have anxiety, or would they present probably for something else? Um, it can be either. So if it's a woman, they tend to tell you they're having anxiety. Okay. If it's a man, they usually say it's something completely different. The the typical, or the thing that you look out for with men is they might say they've got back pain. It turns out they have depression. That's like really? a real, that's like a real common Back thing. pain gives a depression? It, it doesn't give it depression. Just, but so it just, it just, okay. Just for the record, back pain can give depression. Any, any chronic burden of illness or yeah. pain is, is a real risk factor for depression. Okay. So even people that are diagnosed with like inflammatory bowel disease are at risk of depression. Cancer, obviously, risk of depression. But no, a lot of men, um, men especially, that can be women, and, and they find it very uncomfortable to acknowledge or to okay. recognize that they're depressed, but they'll have pain somewhere because when, um, when you're depressed, it's not just a state of mind of an emotional, I'm feeling a bit flat. Your yeah. whole body is depressed and people Ah. that are very severely depressed will have a slow speech they'll tend to speak quite monotone they'll pick clothing that is quite dark um and even facial expressions can be quite heavily diminished. Interesting. Um, and that, that's that's on the like the total end of the scale. Yeah. Um, people with anxiety, you can usually again tell them their demeanour, um, and they won't necessarily tell you what it what it is. As I say, women tend to more, but that doesn't mean that they always do. Um, and often men will start to tell you more about anger, like they're suffering a bit of ah, anger, okay. or they're being a bit feisty with people and they don't know why. Um, and again, that can be a real indicator that maybe they're quite anxious or they're under a lot of pressure and, mm. and that's how they're getting rid of it yeah. um, but that's it you kind of got to kind of say it's a bit like a being a detective you kind of yeah. have to wean it out of people because um, I often wonder if it's it's so easy to from in at some point in our days or in some point in a, a month or a week we're all we must have moments of anxiety where we could diagnose ourselves oh must be suffering from anxiety well, well I think a lot of people are if I kick off a lot of people are but to have full-blown general anxiety disorder you are looking for um, a, an onset that's been there for at least two weeks uh, and something that is quite consistent Um, and you know there's lots of different types of anxiety born out of different things I put quite a list didn't I yeah you did you gave gave us the list on our crib sheet but the the other other thing is that you've got to be very careful to diagnose anxiety and depression too soon because a lot of underlying medical illnesses that you need to rule out before you can say someone's just anxious oh really yeah sometimes the history is so classical that you, you can yeah. tell like you're listening and you're going yep yep yeah but if someone says oh I'm feeling really really low and um, you know I've also noticed I feel a bit cold at the moment and you know my skin's a bit dry you're thinking hypothyroidism because that can cause really? depression they might tell you that their hormones are a bit AWOL and, and then you need to start looking for some hormone born um, born uh, problems yeah um, or, you know, you need to find out. It could be that they're depressed on the back of the back pain. You need to start out the back pain first. You know, yeah. it's it's not just quite as straightforward as saying they're I've got depressed anxiety depressed because depression. they can't go running or they can't do as much things or they're not as mobile. Ah, yeah, okay. but that's a big thing, isn't it? Especially with sportsmen or anyone oh. that's really active. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I, mean I, I can imagine that there are folks who, you know, imagine the person who's been big into golf or tennis. And, you know, every day they're out playing tennis or they're, you know, on the weekend, they're always heading out to the golf course. And then they, you know, get tennis elbow 
and that's or it. or that's it. They've got a, a you know an Achilles issue and they can't walk around the golf course anymore. And it, it, imagine if someone took away your ability to speak, James. How imagine. would you cope? Oh, I think that would be horrible. Well, yeah, because that's your that's your profession, that's yeah. your your livelihood, and what you do. That that's James Pike away. He's, yeah, I think that, he would, that would be the, that would be that would that would definitely cause anxiety and and possibly even depression. Yeah, and that's on as I say, that's on the like sort of the very end scale of it um but i think that what we need to recognize is just that so many people suffer with it every day and yeah. the stigma is definitely going down there's a lot more people i i, I really know. do you know I, I i really do i think it depends what circles you're in by and what country you're in yeah. but generally it's definitely spoken about more um but there's there's so many things to take into account that i think um we have got to take responsibility for our own health and managing our own health and if that is taking that mental health day yeah, we uh, on your sick that. leave yeah maybe maybe that's what you need to do to get know. yourself to to think straight and I, I wonder with so many jobs these days and and you know the, the the workforce tends to be shifting in different ways and you know financially globally people are still you know there's a lot of cost cutting going on and if you if you're saying oh you know I've, i suffer from depression or i suffer from anxiety i, I often wonder if an employer is going to look at that and say oh this is you know this this guy's a liability i gotta uh, keep yeah. that in my mind and, I, and so i don't want i don't want to share with it. i don't want to let people know that that i've got depression i mean because then they're going to judge me and that might be the the tipping point for do we give this person a promotion or do we kick him to the curb i definitely agree um i, I don't i think from a friend's aspect or a general having a conversation with one another i think people are quite open about anxiety and depression but mm. within the workplace i think they need to take more responsibility to look after their employees and to, yeah. to potentially not discriminate but it, it and, is difficult if you and the degree to which the workplace is is responsible yeah, and I, I don't think any workplace wants to. Well, you know, we, we workplaces spend so much time trying to say, well, look, we're we're catering to everyone. We're we've got healthcare plans, and we've got this, and and I is it's it's funny because I I'm, I'm thinking of my own healthcare plan. I got a pretty good healthcare plan, and there's there there is psychology. Uh, coverage and osteo coverage and all sorts of these coverages, but I wonder how many people actually use it. Yeah. For fear of, oh, okay, hold on, this is going to be recorded and and possibly that claim yeah. going through will somehow reflect on with my employer. It shouldn't, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. It definitely should not. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think of a way it would get back to the employer. I don't believe uh, that it would in any way because you yeah. you deal directly with the insurance company. Yeah. It shouldn't. But these things go through people's minds and they're, yeah. they're frightened. And they what also, if someone finds out? Yeah. You know, what's, what's the worst case scenario? You're at the psychologist's office in the waiting room and someone sees you who knows you. Absolutely. Oh, and man. I think more so, say it was somebody like you or someone else that was high profile, even worse because yeah. then they feel like they're totally exposed. Yeah. Um, but really, it takes people like that to come and speak out to yeah. make people feel it's okay, you know, because if someone sees you in the psychologist's office, they're there as well. Yeah. What you do you know, I'm getting a tune-up. That's all. I'm just coming for a tune-up. I always, I always liken it to having an MOT. So they have this in Canada where your so car has an MOT. Uh, Obviously, no, you'd know no, about it. No. So every, I can't remember it's every year, every three years. Not unless they've changed it. I don't think so. Well, I, I don't even know what it stands for, but you say, it's, oh, take the car for the MOT. And it's kind of like a service check. Okay. Um, but in the UK, we've always called it an MOT. It's kind of like they do here when you renew your yes. vehicle. 
Yeah, you, you have go to go to for RTA. service. Yeah, yeah. Every, every year you got to do the RTA check. Yeah. And, and that's what we should be doing with ourselves. Like you should be going to your doctor every year, um, you know, especially over a certain age, get a few blood tests, have a chat yeah. with them, check in with them. And then also like from a mental health perspective, going and having a chat with someone as and when you feel you need or just do it. If you're someone that does suffer, just go regularly and yeah. just keep yourself in check. There's, you know, it's, uh, nobody else is going to look after you. You've got to take that responsibility. And yeah. especially if, you know, you are trying to work hard you've got a family and there's pressure on you you need yeah. to just go and offload now and again people just don't realize how important that is because it, it's not intuitive it's not the way things were in the past yes that's true and you know my parents didn't do that or or you don't know if your parents did that because it's in some it was cases so not talking you know, about you it? never would talk about that so maybe they did maybe they didn't but it's just like but it's a whole new world james like yeah, everything's yeah. changed there's so much stuff that we do now that i mean like your parents wouldn't have dreamed that their son would be sitting here in dubai with his pink glasses on his pink yeah. t-shirt chilling out in the lounge of the rove hotel you Can know you everything changes <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of it's up for us to take it by the hands and embrace it i suppose and the big issue that you have in the uae is because um obviously if someone is suffering with anxiety and also anxiety depression the um the type of treatments are very very similar so um, really? yeah normally you're looking at talking therapies as a first line okay. treatment and is that is that do we know do you have a sense of what what percentage of success we get from um, going and having that because I, I almost get the sense that having the chat is in a, in a way what we just used to do anyway you know you'd sit down with your yes. friends you'd sit down with your parents you'd sit down with your brother sister cousin and say oh you're really having trouble at work and it because it was a, it was a really protected way of doing it you know there was we weren't on our phones we were just having a coffee and what's going on in your life oh you need offload yeah and I wonder if we just don't offload as much anymore especially here because who do you offload to I mean I guess you could call friends and family back home but in some ways you don't want to call your friends and family back home and offload because they already think that you're you're living the dream Island. right and plus you don't see them very often so when and you do it's talk, different you to do it on the to. phone yeah. yeah i mean i couldn't give you a percentage uh, i know that they have certain percentages for um certain conditions the reason i don't is because it's very difficult because there's poor compliance to treatments people start mm. and then they nah, they yeah. leave off yeah uh, and two there's a whole mixture of treatments so you might start with a cbt so um cognitive behavioral therapy and then you might the, the therapist might decide that you're more appropriate for psychotherapy and then uh, maybe you need what's, medication what, what's, what's psychotherapy psychotherapy is when you look more at relationships with people and it oh. goes very far back to your early childhood relationships yeah. and, and move on to today so that's like real deep rooted deep rooted yeah. things counseling is more like just chatting about your everyday life and, and reflecting on that's how you that's kind of like life coaching things. right um, I, I think a counsellor would say it was a bit different okay um, <laughs> so apologies to all counsellors yeah but it, it, the idea idea is it's generally just kind of looking at you day to day looking at you okay. and how Figuring you fit how in yeah, yeah. Um, helping CB you to unpackage how you're thinking about e things exactly and CBT is probably the first line treatment because it looks at um, that looks at how you become anxious so you, yeah. you see a trigger and how you can change your way of thinking about that trigger rather than going into the deep rooted stuff for psychotherapy and then some people need medication so um, you know uh, again there's a, there is a stigma still around taking um, uh, anti anxiety antidepressive medications both again the same so um the same types of medications that you give for both and um and i don't really know why because if people were suffering with a headache they take a paracetamol yeah they, they, there's no question you know, you know i need a brufarin i need a paracetamol there we go let's just get this sorted and i think some people are really i think they're frightened as well 
because yeah. it's you know you're, you're taking medications and people think they're going to mess with my mind yeah um, what if it, what if the balance is wrong what if it you know I, and maybe part of that's just our entertainment right because we've seen yes, movies yeah. where the person is oh they got off their medication or yeah but when I'm on my medication I'm so dull I'm so you know we, we've heard those things over and over again in, in, in the media with characters whether there's a grain of truth in them I don't know but people see that and, it's, uh, and if I you're mean, not talking to your friends like I'm not coming to say so Jenny you taking any antidepressants have you ever taken any? that's not a conversation I'm going to have with but anyone pe- but maybe people should have that yeah, conversation right. because um, maybe again it would relieve stigma I mean um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications are used for lots of things other than anxiety and depression really like, yeah they can be used for pain relief really irritable bowel syndrome they started to use them occasionally as well yeah. um, so it's not just a case of that they, they're only going to mess with your mind. They help. They help other things as well. And well, I wonder if that's also the other problem then. Because so a we want it. You want to be talking to people more. But b the more you talk to people, the more you might think, you know, I don't need that stuff. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not like that person. Yes, that's that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, <laughs> you think God, they're totally mad, uh, and I'm definitely not that mad. They're totally wrecked. That's, that's not me. It's like no, no, and I totally get that way of thinking. But I, I suppose it's a double-edged sword. Isn't it it? Is, you never know yeah. exactly what to do. Is the, is the right thing um, all I can tell you is I worked at, we had to do these shadowing events in university and one of them was in a pharmacy and there was a massive pharmacy and they had a huge i and- thought that being a pharmacist would be a cool job these days would you really why well because more and more back home now pharmacists are taking on a greater role yeah. of they're almost becoming kind of like the GP yeah so they're having the conversations they're actually doing some minor treatments now oh really too. well minor consultants on, on basic I can't remember what they were consulting on because there was I was hearing on the radio and of course there were people who were saying they were aghast that hold on a second why are we letting you know the pharmacists do these things and then they're very were, well trained well and then the other folks were saying yeah but the pharmacists unlike the GPs they're you know the pharmacy is there and it's not moving and the people tend you know the pharmacists and his staff tend or her staff tend to stick around and so you grow up with your pharmacy and they you know they get to know you which I'm I'm thinking when I was growing up I didn't think of the pharmacist like that I just thought you know you're going to go get a prescription filled but you know having a chat with the pharmacist and and I, I, I think that could be an interesting thing. You get to know people, and oh, they said, "Oh, that's the other thing." They were saying the pharmacists spend a little bit more time now looking at the combinations of things people are taking because well, they see the entire picture, and they're kind of going, "Whoa, you've got you've got maybe an antidepressant going with a cholesterol thing going with this." And hold on, these two actually don't mix. Well, and, that's that's such a good thing. So it's called polypharmacy, and you just get a lot of what what would usually happen is you get a little old lady. Uh, and they would come into hospital they'd be added on a new medication because they were unwell they'd be discharged rather than go back to the GP they'd get like a re- which they should do to then yeah. uh, renew the meds or to like review the meds sorry they'd get a repeat prescription for all those new medications they'd have a fall they'd go back to the hospital they'd get a new medication they'd go home and, and maybe they'd be in the like the A&E for a really short time yeah. go back home they then get a repeat prescription for that medication and then before you know it they're coming into hospital because of polypharmacy because all right. the medications are interacting the kidneys aren't doing so well yeah. the liver's not doing well and 
and now on our hospital wards we have a pharmacist that goes around to check that's kind of cool um, yeah check a yeah. patient's medication before they go home and they're so knowledgeable because think about it like we deal in chemicals and they're the specialists yeah. in those chemicals um, so to have them is like so, we're such an asset mm. um, sometimes I do think being completely honest I, I get a bit nervous in Dubai um, because I think obviously each country has their own way of training yeah. pharmacists etc and I'm not saying anything against the pharmacist directly in Dubai but sometimes we might have medications that they're not used to right. and I've had a few scary interactions that have made me think I, I think here you're better off to go to your family medical doctor so you know what it makes makes uh, yeah there, there are there are definitely some things that, that you can get over the counter that you're not getting over <laughs> the counter right now yeah. it's like, it's clearly but you know what I always find interesting about pharmacists and then we're getting a little bit off track here but <laughs> when, when I go to the pharmacist back home and I, and, you know, I haven't been to the pharmacist back home in quite a while but when my parents go to the pharmacist back home now or even when I used to live in Canada if I was going to get you know just an antibiotic I'd usually get it in a jar, right? And they'd count out the 32 pills that I need. Whereas here, I just tend to get these sleeves and I might get 52 pills because the box doesn't come in a 32 pill. That's, or a, that's like the UK. I always find it really uh, funny watching on films. They always have yeah. these little jars, yeah, little plastic I, I remember even years and years ago when I, and, and this, is, this is really a long time ago, I had really bad eczema. And I remember going to the pharmacist and they would actually mix the salve that yep. I would put on. Like I wasn't buying it out of a tube. They were putting it together, and I thought, man, that 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 that's a job. Like you're you're doing a little chemistry. James, every time we talk about a different job, you always want I to want do it. I want them all. Yeah. I know. I want them you're all. Like, that's kind of like my, like me. But no, I don't so, want to be a fireman. I don't want to be a policeman. I got no will. Then we'll do that. But you want to be a, a pharmacist. I, I I'm thinking, you know, occupational therapy, maybe what? physiotherapy. Because well, physiotherapy, and that's just you know, you can take the occupational because that's just a whole other. You know, you you talk to people about their environment. And I think that could be kind of cool. Is this going to be your retirement plan? Maybe. I don't know. I think you get, it'd be really, I think actually <laughs> occupational therapy is really quite interesting because you do get to know people, you go into their homes, you get to make it yeah. safe before they go yeah. home, etc. I think that'd be cool. But I also think it'd be quite repetitive. And that's, that's well, the problem generally with medicine anyway. Like, but, I mean, I love it, but yeah. there's a lot of repetition, but, and that's, that's, that's a cool thing though. Cause different people, different stuff. It's I mean, how I, you get really good at your job. I live in that repetition world. 20 years as a professor, I, I always say to people, I live Groundhog Day because for the most part, I teach the same seven courses. You know, I mean, essentially, that's what I teach. Really? I teach seven courses, and I teach the same courses. Now, they they change over time, and things change, but the, the my clientele is always the same age, and they go through pretty much the same learning curve, and they have the same things going on in their lives. So for 20 years, I live with people who are between 20 and 23 all the time, and it's so is it very repetitive. The same course seven yeah. times within that year. And no, I, I would years. teach it twice. So I would teach two semesters. So I might teach the same course for six months and then for another six months. Or wow, four, James. Four. No, I totally and understand. So the course is not the issue. The clients are the issue because they're always the same. Yeah, so it could be. But I just get a new set. And so then we start again from the beginning, right? And Can I ask, do you get favorites? Like, do you get favorites? Uh, no, you know, you get you get students who you just, I wouldn't say favorites because I, I mean, I've got students who I really like who get really bad marks. And I've got students they who... They can still be your favorite though. Yeah, but they don't, but sometimes maybe in my mind when you think of a favorite, it's like, oh, 
you know, oh, you're, you know, you're going to favor them in some way. And they don't, I mean, I've got students who I, they're just really fun, but they are not good in class. Like they're not good at, at the, the, the product that they're trying to create, but they're really nice people and they're fun to talk to and they've got some great ideas mm-hmm. and they just need to work on things. But yeah, there are students that stand out and then there are students who just don't stand out at all. <laughs> like, like at all like they're they, they're just but, anonymous it's kind of weird but that's probably because they keep themselves anonymous it's like yeah. even in my year of university I can remember so many people that just uh, you, and then others that tell me they, they contact me on Facebook because everyone wants to move to Dubai yeah. um, to ask me about it I'm thinking I, I really don't remember you at all <laughs> and but then I, it, get that, I get that sometimes within a month it's like so I'm, I'm in your class I go really I've never seen before in my life but then oh, how can you remember like the sheer magnitude of people yeah. you've got to remember must be well, insane and that's it when you meet I'll meet someone because I mean I've been teaching there for 20 years so I'll meet students that graduated 15 years ago and they'll say oh I was in your class Do you and sometimes I'll remember the faces and and other times it's like I have no idea who you are does it make you feel really old you know, well, you know what makes you feel old is when you get people in your classes who are related to people that you taught who are clearly much younger and so now you're getting you know the, the cousins of or my older sister had you so many years ago how old's your sister and it's like well, when did she have me and you know it's like oh yeah that was 15 years ago just wait to get the children yeah so that, that you know what and and so actually that's probably really so what i've got now is i i have a few people that i work with who are colleagues who i taught who have children who their children are really young but they've they've got kids and if, if I'm here long enough inevitably I could be teaching some of those kids that so. would be really lovely though as well that would be so nice yeah I mean it's really cool to be teaching people who you know you've seen you've really seen their career trajectory and you know that and that's or, or when you go places that's kind of neat too when you go to businesses and you meet people who yeah. go oh I remember you you know or they you know you were that worst professor that I ever had or, or whoever no one said that no, and sometimes they're not happy with with they, they like the course but they felt they should have been graded differently and it's and I was going to say you know, I get the like, feeling James that you're quite a tough marker yeah yeah we have a lot of fun but I've, I have pretty high expectations yeah so balancing it but, and so if people rise to the occasion they do really well but it means keeping up with what you're doing right and asking questions and and coming to the office and saying hey I'm working on this and people just I think what I've noticed in 20 years is that student maybe partly it's technology but the attention spans have gotten shorter and expectations of how things will be delivered to them have they don't want to have to work necessarily as much for it and they don't want to put in the time but you don't get good at stuff by just reading it but isn't that the new generation why they yeah. say and and again this is one of the like going back to what we've been talking about one of the big reasons for anxiety and depression in the newer generation is because we're led to believe these exciting things are going to happen to us that we're yeah. special um, things are going to be handed to us on a plate when we get older yeah. we're going to have these amazing jobs but really life's actually just quite normal for yeah, most of exactly. us exactly I think that's a that's a huge anxiety and I, I get some of my students who get that when they go out on internships realizing that oh the, the timelines for the, the death Deadlines. That's a big one I get. Deadlines. It's like, you know, school's school's the dreamland. You know, you got something that's due in two weeks and maybe you can get an extension. I never give extensions. But you can be in two weeks and in the work world it's it's due tomorrow. And yeah, but I'm sick and I've got to go somewhere and I'm I'm busy and it's like, yeah, it's still due tomorrow. Yeah, especially if you're in one of these really yeah. high end, uh, high powered jobs. Yeah. It's crazy. And and the other thing is, some of the stuff we do at work is boring. 
Well, but, we've just talked about monotony, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, monotony is a huge one. And But at school, I, what the projects I get my students doing and things they're working on, they're always fun. And school each day is actually pretty fun. You come in, it's follow this, we look at this, we have a chat, we get off topic, we, we look at something and then move on. And it, But the work world, it, it can be boring. There are big portions of it where are not necessarily the things you, you know, you're not designing something, you're not building something, you're doing the, the background research, you're, you know, you're prototyping something and it's not going to work. And, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I just wasted you know, three weeks of my life. It's like, yeah, it's all, and, and they say, well, this is no fun. It's like, yeah, that's the real world. And you, you learn from it and you build on it. And But maybe, maybe that's the thing. Do we, like basically make life a bit more real for many we were talking yeah, about I think so I think we having, have to do that well, yeah we were talking about having lovely long holidays in, yeah. in school and in university and then you get into the real world and suddenly <laughs> like you can feel quite trapped yeah. because you suddenly don't have that breakout time that you, you normally get yeah. and I think a lot of people struggle with that especially now because a lot of people are doing degrees then a degree after the degree and then a master's yeah. you know, and, and so by the time you actually get into a real working institution I mean yeah. you're, to- you're not, not prepared for it at all no and, um, and just this, you know, the number. I think the other the other thing is I I talked to a number of people who who aren't going to go do masters or PhDs because they've only heard horror stories of the number of people who get develop really significant anxiety or depression and because of the process and the demands on that process and because you've got to do this research and you've got to be thinking about this and you've got to read. I mean, I remember I remember my own courses. It was you know part of the training from that whole process was yeah you're you're taking. North American PhDs, the, the way I did it, you you would take coursework for three semesters, two or th- I think I two or three courses in a semester, maybe it was three, and you you would have so you would you would take these masters or PhD level courses, do term papers and come to seminars and do this reading, and then you write a comprehensive exam, which would be depends on the institution, four or five questions you have, uh, you know, I think in my PhD, I think I had a, I, I might have had a week to do it, or I can't remember if it was that same day. I, I, it totally blanks on my mind on that. But then you, then it went to a board of people who then questioned you about it, questioned you on your answers that were based on the larger um, amount of material that you'd studied over those three semesters. So, and 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 there was a lot of stuff and. The, the, the anxiety would come in or for a lot of people is that you, you go to a seminar and you say, okay, I've got I to read 400 pages for the next class and you're going to meet in two days and you've got 400 pages to read. Well, can you read 400 pages? And no. And assimilate it. So you've got to make some choices. What am I, what am I going to move through? What am I not going to look at here? So what, and, some people just like left out chunks that they couldn't read? Yeah, couldn't and read. then some people just drop out because it's, it's repetitive, right? It happens over and over and over and over and over again. And then there's this fear of, well, what if I don't, have all the information I need and what if I don't know enough or what if someone guaranteed you're not but have you know how have you pulled that together and and how has that whole learning process happened and your ability to explain things and and communicate that body of knowledge to someone and and so I mean in my my class huge numbers of people just dropped out they couldn't do it and some of them with diagnosed depression from it and anxiety and and you know got job offers and just said yeah it's not worth it 
I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm out of here. Wow. So just at the bitter end when they had to yeah, do yeah, this section, lots of, they lots. just dropped out. Oh, yeah. Lots. But then that, that's probably people that are only used to succeeding and being the best. Maybe. Suddenly couldn't cope with the thoughts of, I can't read this and I can't do it. Well, well then just trying to make the and, best of the situation well, that they, they had. And then the other side of academia, and I know that you're thinking of, of, of doing oh, one more day, stuff. It's, it's definitely on so my One of the challenges with a PhD is in doing that form of study, you obviously are the only person who knows that much about what, whatever you're doing. You, you become the expert on whatever area that you're, you're doing your dissertation on because no one's going to know as much as you. You're the only one. But there are people who would advise you and you'd have a committee or, you know, your, your thesis advisor. Still, that's really cool. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it is really cool because you're, you're in this like little microcosm of, of things and you pull together stuff and, and you're, you're it. Like, and, and the people that you meet around that topic and things, it's, it's really cool. And, and to have people who are just so engaged in that subject area, uh, it's, it's really neat. But the byproduct of the whole thing, which leads into anxiety and depression, is that you're around people who are constantly forcing you to think twice about what you're doing. And they constantly, in a sense, beating you down from thinking you're really good by questioning everything you're doing, by questioning how you're interpreting theory, by questioning the resources you're using. And it's that constant, 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 constant. You're like just batters away your confidence oh, ever yeah, yeah. every day. For, for, for real. I mean, I, I think I, I didn't read my dissertation again for 10 years. You know that... Um, and I had to defend the darn thing. So and there was complete fear that, I, you know, that you're going to get up and oh, I think I can't remember how long the, the presentation was. It might have been 45, an hour and 45 minutes that I literally explained my entire dissertation and then there were seven people asking questions. And, and, and did you get a high at the end of that or was it just actually just very stressful? I, at, the, at the very end of it, we, I, I think I got sick. Really, because uh, you had just, all that just, pressure for so long, and then you relax and just got ill. I was just, yeah, I think it was just total. Really, that's over. It's like it, 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 it was, it was, it was really stressful. But I mean, that's the thing is that. Um, so one, you know that depression is really big in academia and especially yeah. in PhDs. That's like a really well-known really? uh, thing, and that's why they often have now like mentors and psychologists yeah. that work in universities. And the other is that's another big thing we didn't talk about is that, you know we said anxiety affects every part of your body and it yeah. does. There's so many illnesses now that are related, whether it's chronic fatigue, irritable bowel, headaches, yeah. um, even like coughs can be anxiety-driven coughs. I mean, it, it literally really? affects. Everything. I get the headaches because I know some people yeah. who, as soon as they get under stress, constantly headaches yes like they literally live off Panadol well, yeah because it I mean it just causes all the muscles around yeah. your your you know yeah. you don't realize you've got muscles all around your skull etc that all just um, contract and just even little tiny ones like that can can cause yeah. you know you know how I'm not take go back away from the university stuff but you know as much as I was criticizing PhD I think everyone should do them because it, it, it is if, if you can yeah and, and I always laugh because we, you know I work in a, an environment where it's full of PhDs until you leave the environment then you realize you know there's not that many people who actually oh, have I so want to do one James a PhD and I, I think it's just kind of cool because I, I I'm, you know when did I finish my PhD 2003 I, I did the dissertation and it took me five years because I moved here so that that was part of the part of the challenge moving here and it's, it's very hard to teach have a family and yes. work on this it still did but it and but I still sometimes pinch myself and say I can't believe I actually did this it's like, well what, it's such an achievement as well because it yeah. is such a huge body of work and you are you're the exp expert I'm, a, I'm on... an expert in something 
What was it again? I, so I did, I did it on, on feature film policy and I was looking at, at uh, a very particular organization, but looking at the, the mix between culture and mm. commerce. And, use, wow. and, and so I used a, a sociocultural methodology to use Dang. publicly available documents to do a policy analysis of this organization that was a, a cultural organization. So the, the model could be applied to anything that says this is what we do. And instead of requiring a whole bunch of resources to go in and and do an assessment, all I relied on was all the public documents that were available. So we did content analysis of all these things and 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 went into the archives and looked at memos and things that were written and uh, in, in newspaper articles and speeches and and all of it. And then and then came to the conclusion in the end in this case that while the mandate of this organization and and everything people say is that they're a cultural organization really in the end and only because I got lucky uh, in, in this particular case but that clearly they're not a culture I mean there are cultural organizations that's driven 100% by business and it's because I happened upon the right documents that wow. would show so this so, found that so it was, no it would be a totally different thing so in, in my case it was it was showing how you could do this process works and how you can use this kind of documentation to to prove something and in the process of doing that I just happened to find this box of uncatalogued documents that had the pieces in it and it was like wow really lucky. I was really lucky yeah the thing is I was doing a PhD it's such a financial commitment because that, that's what yeah, I would yeah. that, that would be the perfect time now whilst I had a family and you can organize yeah. your own time to do it I would absolutely love to but it, it's the financial aspect is that you either have to put your really your incomings yeah. on hold for three years or you yeah, try yeah. and manage Clearly. it part time for seven you know it's, it's I mean, really I, I worked it entirely through doing it so it, it it, you know, it, it's possible, but just you just have to be organized. And yeah. I guess in in my case, you have to have a spouse that is willing to live with you through that per- process. Yes, and, of and 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 you know, my wife makes no bones about it. She says there were, there was a point where I I thought we were over. She said, I I didn't know if I was going to be able to to stick with you through that because and and I you re- probably weren't present. Oh, I I yeah, physically I was physically I was there. Mentally I was not there. Yeah. You know, I was only in the, in the end. In the last six months, I was only, I was getting up at three o'clock in the morning every day. To do, to do your work? Yeah. Wow. 3 a.m. every, every day, Which, seven uh, days a week. But that's the thing. You said you got really sick afterwards. Like when you are anxious, yeah. your body goes into fight or flight mode. Yeah. So your immune system heightens, your blood pressure heightens, everything is on red alert for, for basically a disaster, even though yeah. that's not what's happening. That's what your body is preparing for. And then if that is for a sustained period of time, basically your immune system falls, yeah. your blood pressure becomes oh, yeah. um, too high for well, like a long period the, of time. Imagine in the process that I also get a contractor note that says if you don't have your PhD by the state, you don't have a job. So suddenly, also in that process, I needed a letter from my university saying, yeah, you've, and, and that happened, I needed that letter right after I defended yes. it, because otherwise my contract ended. I defended in May, my contract would have ended in August. Wow, so you Could, managed to get it through in time. Thankfully. But, then, but that's it, so then the so relief of, of finishing <laughs> and keeping hold of your job, yeah, yeah. of course you're going to get sick, your immune system would have plummeted, everything would have just like relaxed in your yeah. body, and then it just allows for infections to come well, in. Well, and then you run into the second phase, once you've got that PhD and you've, you know, you've, hey, you 
you've done it. Now you've got to continue to prove yourself by publishing and things. And, and for me, this is a huge problem because honestly, I, I, as much as I like doing research and there, it's, it, there are things that I like to research, my research areas have shifted quite a bit. But, is, that a, is that a problem? Um, it, it, with my research shifting? No, I think it's shifted to things that I'm really interested in and, yeah. that are, and a lot of them have to do around what we're doing now, podcasting and, and content and, and how people interact with it. So in that sense, it's not a bad thing. The, the bad thing is, in some ways, writing that research, I think it's stupid because who wants to read this, you know, 15 people to read this content, what a waste of time. And, and that's a problem because in this academic profession, I need to publish. And you need to present it in such a and particular I, way. And I need um, to go to conferences that I don't want to go to. And so this is the other thing where they say, oh, you got to go to conference presence. But yeah, but I don't want to go to the conference. And honestly, I don't want to write the stuff. I would rather create the stuff like we're doing here and disseminate it and, and maybe, you know, and, and have those conversations and get them into people's ears. And as opposed to writing this academic paper on this thing that 12 people are going to read when I can get 1500 people listening to the content. I said, what, which one is, which one is more valuable? And so from a value to the community, this becomes more valuable than 12 people reading a document. You know, you need to, you need to have some minions. So in, in the UK, like in, in medicine, what happens is the consultant decides something that they want to look at. Yeah. Then they give, they, they exactly. encourage minions, AKA like junior staff <laughs> to, go and do to come and do all the work. Then yeah. they'll have a more senior staff write it out. Like, so maybe yeah. a registrar, but not the consultant. Yeah. And then the consultant yeah. goes and presents it and gets all the glory. Yeah. But all he came up with was the idea yeah. that was, and maybe proofread it a few times. Yeah. So, but that's what you need, James. I need that. You need I need to that. get some exactly. So, so fortunately, the the areas that I'm really interested in today are, are areas that I, I don't mind writing on. So then, then, then the next stress is then you submit your work to journals and maybe they don't like it. And so then again, you're getting hit up by, well, yes. am, I, am I not good enough? Why is this not good enough? Do you I just not get it? And you know, it's like, oh. and, and you're doing that all while you're working, while you're doing your things, while you got your family and you know, you've got to, it takes, it could take, you know, 50, 60 hours to write a decent article depending on how much research you have to do. And if you've got to do field research. And so again, it, it just, it's just this constant, you know, reliving of that process that you've gone through. But that's it. Like to try and better yourself and to try and produce things like that, you know, that's a full-time job in its own yeah. right, but you're trying to like squeeze it in on the side. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. We all just need to take a, a notch down in the pace of life. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't even touch like social media, which obviously no. is like a huge, huge cause of stress. Um, because people have got that going on the background yeah, we as well. To, we, it's too I much. Think, I think we we gotta we gotta pick up this conversation. We gotta, yeah. we gotta, we we're we're gonna stay with anxiety. I actually had someone that was coming today, but then they couldn't come last minute. Like an Maybe anxiety. They can come next week. Yeah, I'll ask them. So we can continue this conversation because I think there's a we I think we've just scratched the surface. We just started. We just talked about me really. Well, but, no, but it was interesting. Yeah, I, I just, enjoyed learning about the academic world, James. It's it's, it's uh, you know the other side of the academic world that becomes interesting is that because you've got all these people who are very. They know their niche and, and, but you know, like I, there's a core area that I know very well and, and that comes from all of the stuff I had to study to know my niche. So, which is kind of cool, but you get all these people who know these core areas, but they don't necessarily know your stuff, yes. but they'll make judgments about your stuff without really knowing your stuff. And it's like, back well, off, man. Yeah. It's it, literally, I, I, I mean, I've worked with people who, uh, you know, they'll, I'll talk about my research and they're going, Ugh. and then they'll talk about their research and I go, who'd want to research that anyway? Right. 
And so we, but we, as academics, we, we listen, well, you know, what, what, what is this theory all about? And what are you talking about? It's like, just give me a break. Like, I bet you don't do that to them though. No, no, no I, I, I just, I, but I've, I've sat and I've listened to people do, re- cause we, we'll have brown bag research presentations where people will present their stuff and I'm just interested. It's like, Hey, this is kind of cool. And then you'll get someone who stands up with this question and, and I'll sit there and go, why would you ask that? Like, why are you putting the person on the spot like that? Is that, that just someone trying to make themselves feel a little bit better? Well, that's what academics do. Because yeah. now it's, your job is to show, well, I know more than you. It's probably not it's just like, academics, James. I think that's like, just I life. know more than you. And it's like, oh, really? You know what? <laughs> you just <laughs> Doctors do it as well. And they always poo-poo what the other doctor has yeah. said. And I, I, I always think you should be supportive of yeah. what your colleagues have said. You don't know what was seen, what was heard, what yeah. was told to you. You know, you, you just don't know. Exactly. And they're like, oh don't listen to that doctor like I'll, yeah. look, I'll look after you and you yeah. did yeah it's exactly. ridiculous yeah. so we get a lot more we're going we're to continue part two of part anxiety two, yeah. with Dr. Jenna and Dr. James <laughs> looking forward to doing this <laughs> alright thanks James <laughs> thank you bye you've been listening to a Podaholics podcast if you like what you've been listening to please give us a rating and share the link if you don't like what you've been listening to I'm not sure how that could happen but if you don't you got comments give us a rating and share with us you want to get in touch with us directly Directly, potaholics with a K at gmail.com. Potaholics with a K across all the socials. It's been a lot of fun. Look forward to interacting with you again really soon. Share the link. So long for now.